Good morning, church. Buenos dias. Now you are bilingual. <laughs> it's a privilege for me to be here uh, with my family in this new season. So thank you for your prayers. I'm going to extend you grace with my name. It's not Ishmar, Isomar, Yosmar, with a, with a Y. Yes. And then I will extend, and then you extend me grace if I don't remember your name. Today's sermon will focus on the concept of grace as explained in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. It says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one boasts. This passage It's a powerful reminder that salvation is a divine gift that cannot be achieved through our own actions or endeavors. In the Christian faith, salvation is seen as a gift from God through Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the sins of humanity, and that by accepting him as our Savior, we can be saved and then be relieved from eternal damnation. The concept of salvation through faith in Jesus is central to the Christian theology and is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. We believe that salvation is not something that we can earn through good deeds or religious practices, but it's instead a free gift that is offered to all who are willing to accept it. This belief is rooted in the idea that we are all sinners and that we cannot be saved by works or our own efforts. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we can be saved and receive eternal life. Let me repeat that again. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ, that we can be saved and receive eternal life. But let's define grace. Grace can be defined in various ways, including Max Lucado's description of it as the voice that prompts us to change and empower us to do so. Similarly, C.S. Lewis reminds us that God is love, And his love for us never changes, even if our feelings do. As Mother Teresa once said, I have found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, if you love until it hurts, then can be no more hurt, only more love. Lastly, Kerry Ten Boom, an evangelist that I admire so much, highlights the importance of discipline in sharing God's grace with others, which is given to us every morning. And according to Philip Jensi, God's love for us is unwavering and not based on behavior. Grace is at the center of the Christian faith. 
It is what separates us from other religions. And it is what sets us apart. Our founder, John Wesley, believed that grace was the most important thing in our life, the source of our salvation, and the reason we exist. Wesley understood grace in three ways, prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. Prevenient grace is the grace that comes to us before we even know about it. The grace that enables us to recognize our deed for God and our love and we respond to him in faith. Without it, we would never be able to come to faith in the first place. On the other hand, justifying grace is the grace that forgives us from our sins and makes us right with God. It is the grace that transforms us from sinners to saints. Sanctifying grace, emphasizing the importance of humility and the recognition that all people are depending on God's grace for their salvation and spiritual growth. It is also an important component of the Methodist doctrine of salvation. The understanding that sanctifying grace is both instant and an ongoing process of growth and transformation in Christian discipleship. But what about our calling, Pastor? Do we need to earn that too? Absolutely not. Second Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Our calling is also a result of God's grace. In the Bible, we see many examples of God's calling people by his grace. We see it in the story of Abraham, who was called out of his comfort zone to follow God to a new land like we did to Prospect, Kentucky. <laughs> we also see it in the story of Moses, who was called to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. We see it in the story of David, who was called to be king despite his humble beginnings. And we see it in the story of Saul, who was called to be Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. And I hope that now that we're starting our journey together, we, you also see it in my life and in the life of my family. I came to United States in 2001, and I was born, in case you're wondering, May 25, 1974. So I'm 49 years old. I'm not ready to retire. And I learned very early the power of prevenient grace. I remember my neighbor, Nuris, and she was always preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel with me, with my family, inviting us to church. I remember I was little, and I used to hide from her. <laughs> I didn't want to come to church. Cuba is a country where the church is persecuted, and no one wants to be Christians because once you became a Christian in Cuba, you are persecuted, 
and you have to be ready to pay a high price. But then I continue my life, and she continue inviting us day and day again. Then in 1997, I graduated as a veterinarian doctor. Now I became then a man of science. So my no to my neighbor was stronger, this time with evidence. I knew everything, right? <laughs> For some reason, she kept preaching the gospel to me and to my family. And then one night, August 4th, 2001, she invited me again. She invited me again to the church. And I decided for some reason to go, because even though I was, I was a surgeon, I was doing everything I love, I was working, I was the doctor, everything that I dreamed, I was empty inside. She invited me to church, and before I knew it, I was in the church. When I stepped into the church, the evangelist, the pastor, looked at me and said, God has a calling for your life. God has a purpose for your life. He's calling you. And I said, here we go. My first day in church, and now this guy is calling me out out of the crowd. <laughs> it was a hot summer, but then something happened. The Holy Spirit came upon me, and I was crying and laughing, crying and laughing at the same time. And I learned really fast the power of justifying grace. I knew that I could not continue doing what I was doing. And I decided to follow Jesus. I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so vivid. Come, follow me. Follow me. And then I said, yes. And I began to preach the gospel. But then I forgot about it. That happened to you? So I went to bed, got up. My oldest brother went to Italy, my Sister went to, came to the United States, and I said, I am the only one left behind. I need to go. So I got this American dream. Have you ever heard about the American dream? <laughs> I had it too. It's a bug. First, I wanted to have a new house. Listen to this. A new house, one dog, two kids. <laughs> that was the plan. And a new car. And then launch my own business, have my own clinic, and work as a vet, and come to church on Sundays. That was my plan. But God has a, a funny way to come down from heaven, and after you make all your plans, he comes with a big scissor and chop it up. <laughs> and says, you know what? You are not going to America to work as a doctor. You're going to America as a missionary. You're not going to start a new business. You're going to plant a church. And I say, here we go. <laughs> so I experienced the power of sanctifying grace. I came and shifted all my plans to becoming a doctor in the United States and work as a doctor. I worked for a few months to becoming now an elder in the United Methodist Church, and God says to me, I'm going to call you, and I'm calling you for life to serve my people. And then I said, yes. And he said, I'm going to give you, and I'm giving you three mission goals. Church health, every church making disciples. Church collaboration, every church working together to face the giants of the 21st century. 
church multiplication, every church growing by expansion, meaning growing where we are, but, but also by extension, growing in other places, which means that a church of 200 can plant another church of 300. A church of 50 can plant another church of 50. A church of 100 can plant another church of 100. That's what you see in the book of Acts. We don't have to wait to become a mega church, which I don't believe in mega churches. I believe in mega impact. And then we don't measure the size of, of the church by the seating capacity. We measure the size of the church by the sending capacity. And when we see that, we're going to see a revival in Prospect, Kentucky, and beyond and around the world. So I say yes to the calling. And then I experience the power of sanctifying grace in my own life. God is powerful. But we know that when we understand this calling is when we embrace everything. God is an expert on, on showing us the vision and the end, the destination, but not the plan. Because if he shows you the plan, you quit. <laughs> so he's smart. He shows you the vision. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. You don't know the plan. But the ultimate example of God's calling by grace is found in the story of Jesus. God sent his only son into the world to save us from our sins and to reconcile us to himself. Jesus called his disciples by his grace and transformed their life from ordinary fishermen and tax collectors to apostles who, who would go and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus made, made it possible for all of us to be called by his grace and to become children of the living God. So what does all that mean for us as Christians? It means that we have been called by grace to a new life, a life of faith, hope, and love. It means that we are no longer slave to sin, but free to live for Christ. Hallelujah. The calling of God through grace is a profound and life-changing experience. You will never be the same once you experience the power of God. It is a reminder of the boundless love and mercy that God has for us, despite of our shortcomings and failures. Through his grace... We can experience forgiveness, healing, and transformation. It is essential to always keep in mind our position in the world as our, and our obligation as disciples of Christ. Let this sermon serve as a constant reminder to remain humble and grounded in Christ and in the Word of God. We must continuously work toward fulfilling our duty of offering the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to others with utmost dedication and commitment. May we always be open to the calling of God's grace in our life and respond with gratitude and obedience. It means that we have a mission to fulfill, to share God's love with 
others and make disciples of all nations for the transformation of the world. Let's make disciples out of Africa. Let's make disciples out of Asia. Let's make disciples out of Europe. Let's make disciples out of Australia. Let's make disciples out of the Latin community. Let's make passionate spiritual disciples out of our spouses, children, grandchildren, mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. As we go out from here today, let us remember that we have been called by grace. Let us let our life, considering that God is calling us with gratitude, humility, and obedience. And let us share the good news of Jesus with all of those who encounter in Prospect, Kentucky, and beyond. Knowing that it is only through his grace that we too can be called to a new life in him. Church, we have been called by grace. Let us embrace that calling with all our hearts and live our life considering such amazing grace. Let us be people of faith, hope, and love, trusting in God's goodness, looking forward to his promises, and showing God's love to all we encounter. And lastly, let us be people of action, going into the world to share the gospel with, with all those we have not, who have not heard it. May God bless us and keep us always in his grace, knowing that God didn't send me to Prospect Kentucky to save the United Methodist Church. He saved me to Prospect Kentucky to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Please join me in a moment of prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for your grace, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you for the gift of salvation and the privilege of being called your children. Help us to live our life in light of that calling, with faith, hope, and love. Give us the courage and strength to share the good news of Jesus with all we encounter and be faithful witness to your love and grace. We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>